1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams. And preseason, the peak of preseason is upon us, but we are here to be the voice of reason. The waiver wire always makes people go crazy, but we're here to maybe uh, temper some expectations and explain some situations. Is that right, Pat?
0: Yeah, I think... (sighs) It's funny with the waiver wire, like people inside the regular season tend to not worry too much about it. I think maybe they just have enough else, other things to keep them occupied. But the the preseason, everyone I think gets a little bit antsy and uh, maybe starts overanalyzing things a little too much. Uh, you think think of all the players who go through waivers and training camp, right? And and totally. vast majority make it through. Uh, you know, teams have had their, their rosters more or less set now for, for two to three months, you know, free agency. And I think now, especially with the cap, like it, it's it's difficult to really shape things up too much by, by adding somebody on waivers that you're going to have to uh, put on the NHL roster, keep them. So, uh, you know, if you're going to try to get a player through waivers, now's the time to do it. I think the regular season is when it gets a lot more tricky, right? Team of injuries, uh, you know, maybe a player's Started to, to to make a little bit more of a name for himself, but I mean, um, I think for the most part, um, at best, if you're you're going to claim somebody off waivers, which we'll look into some of the players that have been picked up, you're looking more at somebody that's uh, a little bit of a a project, so to speak, right? Like they're, they're certainly not going to be a plug-and-play type type addition to your lineup,
1: for sure. Before we get into that, I think we'd be remiss not to mention uh, a regular topic on the show last season that we probably won't talk about this year because it looks like he'll be in the NHL. Matthew Phillips, Uh three points in three preseason games. He had the game-winning goal last night, uh, Tuesday night, uh, with what he played online with Sonny Milano and Dylan Strome. And here's an interesting fact that Mike Gould, uh, a uh, Flames and NHL analyst tweeted, Matthew Phillips, has now received more ice time in this preseason with the Capitals than he ever did over his th- final preseasons with the Flames combined. I I mean, this is one of those narratives where people are always kind of writing it off and whatnot, but it really appears that it's one of those things where Calgary just failed to give a chance to a guy in their own backyard.
0: Hometown kid.
1: Um, it's too bad, yeah.
0: Guy that absolutely tore things up. Uh, both with Stockton and then uh, last season with the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, you know, for my money, and I said this before, the top forward in the league, uh, kind of start to finish. Um, you know, a player that really does it all. Um, he's listed at five eight, um, I believe one sixty. Um, he plays like, and I've said this before, he plays like he's six two two ten in terms of where he goes on the ice. Like, like he goes to every hard part of the ice. Uh, he doesn't uh, back down for anybody. He plays, you know, so it's not so much. Being a big player or a small player, it's how you play. And he plays with size, even though he doesn't physically have the size. And I think that's what stood out to the Washington Capitals a lot. He's also a very smart player. So if you if you can be a player that, that's going to play bigger than you are and you're smart, you're right off the bat going to endure yourself, I think, especially to a new coach, somebody like Spencer Carberry. And an interesting kind of little twist is Mitch Love, his former coach with Stockton and with Calgary Wranglers, is now an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Washington. So you have kind of an advocate there, guy in your corner, and certainly somebody who's also very familiar with your game uh, who can uh, certainly go to bat for you.
1: And I think, based off Carberry's comments, it seems like we could see Phillips playing on a, a wing alongside Milano and credit to them because for Matthew Phillips to succeed, he needs to be in a quote unquote middle six role. And they're gonna give him that opportunity to Pierce and he's earned it, as we've kind of mentioned yeah. and talked about for a while. I would agree with you, probably the best forward that's been in the HL for a long time was criminally uh, overlooked in Calgary and good for him for for moving on, I think. It's too bad it would have been nice for him to be, you know, a contributing player on the hometown team, but he gave them ample opportunity and it wasn't really reciprocated. It um, was, yeah, yeah and- not at all.
0: Yeah, now kind of the flip side. This is kind of where the HL aspect comes into it. If he sticks in Washington, which I agree, it looks like he's going to, uh, it's a big loss to the Hershey Bears, right? Yes. So uh, you know you're looking at guys to 35 goal scorer in the American Hockey League level. Uh, yeah. And now it's not coming to your lineup. No, which is is the purpose of obviously things, but he's on a one it, way
1: though. Did you really? Do you think he was really even positive?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I think the Washington Capitals especially with the way they operate. I think, yes, I think talking to people inside that that, that team, there was the viewpoint that is, certainly if he had come to camp and not performed, yeah, he'd be going to Hershey. So right. uh, by no means was any uh, spot uh, given to him or, or, or saved For, for sure. He had to go out and claim it. And, and, and I think to his credit, he has. And, uh, you know, um, so we, you know, you know, nothing's official until it is, but if he does, in fact, stick with Washington, I'm looking forward to see how he really takes this opportunity because I think you're right. He, he never, never got anything in Calgary. I mean, it was it was it almost became like a running joke, like yeah, you know, like what more does he have to do? And even when he got his opportunity last season, it was kind of a, a cup of coffee and back to Calgary or back to the AHL, and that was uh, pretty much the end of it for him.
1: Absolutely, and it's too bad for Calgary too because with Jacob Peltier out now, it would have been nice to have a Phillips, but hey, there's a lot of wingers there that can pick it up by committee. All right, let's get to the players that were claimed off of waivers this week. couple notable names that we should get to. The first one being Ty Emerson. The Sharks claimed Emerson off waivers from New York on Saturday. 23-year-old right-hand defenseman was voted the best defensive defenseman. In the AHL's Eastern Conference during the PHPA player voted awards poll, which is a pretty interesting statement. I love that when you get the PA mm-hmm. polls, NHL or AHL, right? Whenever yeah. you get to hear who they think is the toughest to compete against, had strong underlying numbers in Hershey last year, six foot two defenseman, right shot off to San Jose, their latest reclamation project, I would say.
0: Yeah, and you know, kind of what what better honor uh, for a player than you know the guys that go against him on a nightly basis um uh, vouching for for what he is right and um certainly i think uh, a very good you know very good selection uh as a defensive top defensive defenseman last year um i think yeah this is a great opportunity for him obviously san jose is in a you know kind of a full-fledged rebuild mode um i'd say they're not even really into the building mode yet uh, to some extent they're still kind of like taking apart things and Mm-hmm. And, and, and seeing what they have, right, and seeing, you know, kind of what, what pieces him we even start to build with. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he goes in there. It's a great opportunity for him. Um, and uh, he certainly wasn't going to, to make it through, uh, you know, with the Rangers, obviously. So, yeah, um, you know, it was weird. His name never would even get mentioned, right, like as, a, as an option, you no. know, despite, you know, how well he did play. You know, you'd always hear Zach Jones to some extent, Matthew Robertson, but uh, Anderson was kind of always an afterthought, if mm-hmm. if if that. So, uh, I think this is a, this is a great move for him. And I think he's uh, definitely gonna uh, have an opportunity there to run with
1: it for sure. And I like it from the Sharks perspective because when you're in that stage that you just kind of articulated where you're very much in a rebuild, but you're not doing too much building, right? You're slowly, yeah. you're, you're really bare bones. It is extremely important to have, you still want to have an up-tempo and winning mm-hmm. culture and intensity in training camp. And I think what this says is the Sharks looked at and go, okay, we, we think Emerson can, or is definitively, because keep in mind, he has to be on the roster for the next 30 days, I believe, until they can place him on mm-hmm. waivers again. So they be- definitively believe he's an upgrade on the right side, organizational depth, and... That's important because if you have a team full of complacency where everybody kind of thinks, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not NHL caliber. Maybe my game's not where it needs to be, but there's no one really ahead of me. Mm-hmm. That's when you start to have a losing culture. And I think you saw it in Buffalo before for years, yes. even there was comments like in Columbus last year with Brad Larson, how people were saying how there was a lot of complacency there. I think moves like this are really key in terms of not being okay with just the status quo and keeping, you know, someone there that isn't worthy. Frankly, if Emerson, if you know, he is an upgrade on the right side, you take that bet any day. Yeah. He may not work out and that's okay though. Frankly.
0: I think it's a great, great point. Uh, it, I think it applies, you know, we always try and kind of talk about the competition within, you know, the top teams and the, the teams that are winning and, and that's true, but you, you make a great point. that. um, if you're a player in that San, San Jose dress room, you just had somebody new walk through the door.
1: 100%. Who's, who's here to
0: take somebody's job, right? And that well, automatically he
1: already out. has to start, yeah. if you think about
0: yeah. it. Yeah. And, and can't keep, keep that job. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. if you're a guy on the bubble, maybe a guy that even didn't realize he was on the bubble, you now sit up and take notice. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, this guy is, this guy's, here and now, I all of a sudden, if I didn't really have a competition before, I sure do now, right? And I think you know, anytime, kind of like you know, whether it's a new coach coming in or, or a new player, new teammate, whatever, like anytime there's a new face that shakes things up and, and it lets, I think it sends a message to the entire roster that hey, you know, management certainly is not uh thrilled really? with what they have here right now and certainly looking to upgrade. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that, I think that could be a real kind of like you said, uh, a real maybe unspoken benefit of, of getting somebody off the waiver wire, mm-hmm. especially for a team that's obviously has a ton of work to do on their roster here.
1: Lassie Thompson. Ducks claimed him off waivers via Ottawa on Sunday. An- another 23-year-old right-hand defenseman dropped the 19th overall in 2019. He's played 18 career NHL games, two of which were last year, 16 of which were in the 21-22 season. I'll be honest, Pot, I'm... Uh, I'm pretty surprised that he was claimed last year was not a great season for Thompson. And yeah, you know, two years ago when he had that NHL game stint, his game was probably at its peak. He was on an upward trajectory. He looked pretty good in those games to be honest, but um, I don't think he has a very complete game, which is standard, but also I don't think he's proven to be good enough as a driver to kind of overcompensate that. So I'm a, I was a little surprised that the Ducks claimed him. I'll be brutally honest.
0: Yeah, I think uh, 100% agreement with you. Yeah, if, you, if you're certainly not going to um, be a player that can take care of things in your own end, what you do in terms of driving play had better be above and beyond. Totally. And even then, that might not be enough, right?
1: 100%. Um,
0: I will say uh, I'm interested to see Greg Cronin get his hands on him. You know, mm-hmm. knowing what Greg Cronin did with Colorado with some of the players there. Um, he's he's excellent at really kind of deconstructing a player's game, almost taking it right down to the studs uh, and then rebuilding it. Um, so, you know, I think with Lassie Thompson having maybe a new perspective on his game, um, totally. a guy that, you know, fresh eyes, uh, a guy can maybe start to pick apart the, the holes in his game, that should be a... a I think if if he's going if Lassie Thompson is going to turn out to be something, that's going to be what it takes, right? Somebody that you yeah. really going kind to of do a, you know, a pretty extensive uh, rebuild on his game because that's obviously the big knock on him, right? Is that you know that defensive play and um, he's only 23, he's a first rounder, so you know I, I I'd hate to certainly write him off uh, just yet, uh, and obviously you're going into Anaheim, a team that a lot like San Jose is uh certainly in a full fledged rebuild mode with was all kinds of uh um a mess last season defensively so uh you know there's certainly there again there's there's jobs open there's a new coach in town um yeah, this is gonna be a good opportunity for him as well
1: and i think the change of scenery is important because there was there was a report by Jeff Mayork on third two thoughts that really made me think and it it was about how he said that Otto was not pleased that Lassie Thompson decided to, after playing in Kelowna in his draft year, he didn't return to Kelowna. He went overseas. Okay. And that's a decision they weren't happy with. Mm-hmm. For my money, understandably, I think that, you know, that would probably be a step back or just sideways in whatever way you want to look at it, especially having played junior the year before. But I think that what made me think is, okay, so teams, they've got long memories of that kind of stuff. And you almost have to wonder how much that affected things in his deployment going forward. Like he he did do quite well two seasons ago in Ottawa, that stint. I watched actually a couple of those games. He was incredibly poised and played well. Again, as I mentioned, wasn't great last year. So that's a huge part of it. But you almost have to wonder if they kind of, he was a back burner guy eventually as Mm -hmm. of last year from the get-go. And I think that, that plays a huge role in confidence, runaway, and just overall development when you can kind of see a clear contrast of where you see yourself at the pecking order and where the team does.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Teams, teams have very long memories, right? Like probably too long in some cases, right? Sure. And um, I think that's a you know, really good insight by Merrick. And um, yeah, I think what's done is done he's going to, um, be a player. that just gets a fresh opportunity. Um, kind of goes the other side of the league. Now this is, this is, but this is, this is where a lot of players, uh, they don't always grab that opportunity, right? They're 23, totally. to 24 years old. And, and if they start to languish again, that's when the, you know, that's when the adults go from kind of a simmer to a full boil. Yeah. And, and I think for him, um, you know, this is a chance now that whatever happened in Ottawa is done. You go to uh, Greg Cronin's uh, very good at that. You know, no one, you know, I, I know him very well. He's certainly not going to be somebody that's going to be concerned with anything that happened in Ottawa. Like it's going to be just a fresh start. Uh, but the, the, the caveat there is that fresh start has to be strong and uh, he has to really catch on, uh, you know, and buy in very quickly.
1: Absolutely. Samuel Fujimo claimed off waivers by Nashville uh, via Los Angeles on Tuesday, 2019 second round pick combined for 76 points in 119 career HL games. What I like about this claim is it goes back philosophically to what Barry Trott said in one of his first statements as a GM, which was something he, he related a message he tells his scouts and personnel, which is I can find a fourth liner. Mm-hmm. I can find a, a bottom six guy off the street quite easily but I want to find high up I want you to find high upside players and that's one that Samuel Fujimo is that and I think he was stuck behind a deep deep prospect pool in Los Angeles probably one of the deepest in the league and it was a casualty because of that but I think that this there's a player here he has a great shot amazing hockey sense and a lot of tools that you'd you know covet and I think were maybe overlooked just given how again the volume of depth that Los Angeles had. And because he doesn't necessarily play a traditional bottom six role, of course he'll be overlooked by the Jared Anderson Dolans, like Keel Thomas's guys that can kind of more fit that mold. But with more runway, he can become a player in Nashville, I firmly believe.
0: Yeah, and Nashville's always had that really good knack for for kind of so, buying some of that that talent and unlocking whatever it may be for, t- for, for a particular player to Make that final step. Obviously, this is a player who's who's certainly had a lot of success down at the AHL level, back to back uh, twenty-plus goal seasons. We know he can do it at the AHL level. Now the question: Can he make that jump? I I think he can. Uh, He's a player that uh, really never seemed he never seemed to really catch the fancy of the LA Kings. I thought, Um, which I always found a little strange, but. Um, again, a lot like Lassie Thompson, that's the past. This is a fresh start. I think, you know, know the mentality of players, you know, that, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. Like sometimes when players are traded, they're not happy. When <laughs> Almost any type of players picked up on waivers, they're, they're thrilled, right? Like they can't have oh, yeah. fast enough and, and get on the plane and get out of town. So, uh, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him. I, I really like, I like a lot of the kind of everything that's going on right now with Nashville in general mm-hmm. with trots there, Andrew Burnett, uh, obviously Carl Taylor, uh, being in Milwaukee, kind of just that, that overall, that push of talent that's coming up, uh, through the pipeline and really making a put, uh, yeah, you know, real sense of competition at the NHL level. Now you have another player who can come in and also compete. Uh, so I kind of like how they're amassing some of these, uh, almost, you might call them lottery tickets in a sense, like, like this is a low risk move, right? Like if it doesn't totally. pan out, so be it. Uh, and if it does, then you might have yourselves a real player. I will say this with him, and you you mentioned the LA King system, and I think that's a really good point. I am starting to get a little bit concerned here now, though. And yeah, so you have a player that wins, you know, second round 2019. Yeah. You have a Hills Thomas, who obviously had a really, you know, some real serious injury situation last year he was a 2018 second rounder you have Alex Turcott, who's had a his own injury issues who's a top five pick mm-hmm. and now you have one player that's on waivers and off to Nashville you have Akil Thomas um, who's still trying to figure things out at the age level and then you have Turcotte kind of in that same boat Um and getting a little if I'm the LA Kings a little bit nervous that you know yeah at one point it looked Things are
1: looking great, but things
0: are starting to thin out a little bit here. If, if, if some of these don't pan out,
1: that's a fair point. I think. I think it's a good problem to have, though, in the long scheme of things. Because okay, so you had Archer Kaliev hit. If you like, yeah. I mean, I think he sells another level, but in terms of the grand scheme of things, I think yeah. that's a hit of a pick. You had, yes. um, you know, Quinton Byfield, the jury still out. Sure, um, you know, Velarde became and other people became Dubois, whatever. But mm-hmm. if you look at their lineup, especially you know with the back end stuff, like they've been able to just, they've been able to draft and develop a plethora of these pieces into players. Yes. And t- to what degree they become is, is up to them. But the fact that they've had so many guys that are even kind of close knocking on the door is a good problem to have. I think what you're isolating though, Pat, it's still a good point. But I think what yeah. you're pointing out is that we're at the end of that phase now, right? Yeah. So, so it's now you're turning the page and now when you look onward, so maybe next year when we're here, or even now the, the pool of actual prospects is getting more thin.
0: It, it can change quickly.
1: Yes, for oh, sure.
0: And um, that's, that's where the
1: risk is, right? The um, argument would be that they've drafted so well over this time that what's going to stop them from continuing to draft. Well, would be the devil. Point. Point.
0: Yes, for sure. Yes.
1: Um, but anyways, let's move on to one more player that was claimed: Jansen Harkins, mm-hmm. claimed by the Pittsburgh Penguins off of Winnipeg on Tuesday. One of the best players in the AHL last year, yeah. he had 50 points in 44 games. He has NHL experience. He was an NHL regular for you know two straight years, uh, or two and a half, honestly, uh, or two half. I mean, technically three years if you really. He's played 150 NHL games um, mm-hmm. over parts of of four seasons with the Winnipeg Jets. Great player in the HL last year. Dro- drove played an exceptional rate. Was one of the most dominant in the slot. Was able to finish on chances. He was just a, you know a real protypical first line forward. Damn. Now I like I like this claim from Pittsburgh because it's such a low risk, high reward large ticket for Pittsburgh, but not in the traditional sense. Here's why: if it goes well, you have. Like if, if it all goes well, you add that secondary scoring punch you need to what is a gritty and hard nose energy type of bottom six. That's, That's what right. I think that they're aiming for here, to add a little bit of offense. If he suffers and doing so, everyone else sees that he's not doing well, he's not going to get claimed that next time, right? So then you're sending him down to wilkes where he is a known commodity as a first-line forward and oh, yeah. Dubas has, Kyle Dubis has prioritized this since he took over. wilkes he's going to have, you know, food in the cupboards. They're going to have a full stock, and they've done that. And I think that the Harkins move is a win-win because you win in the sense of if he is able to help your bottom six, if he isn't, it's not really a... Sure, it's not ideal. Maybe it's a loss, but alternatively, you get to get more... You get to bring in more depth to the minor league level, which is something that they are prioritizing.
0: Yeah, which the last couple of years especially, they've not had any. Uh, I, think just, I think especially back to last year, I mean, mm-hmm. there was... Thin is it would be a generous description of what they had at Uh It was uh, it was pretty bleak, just in terms of uh, either veterans or prospects. So you kind of you were neither winning nor developing, mm-hmm. and you didn't really have any of that again that internal competition of uh, both the prospects and the vets kind of pushing each other. Uh, mm-hmm. It was kind of just uh, you know this hodgepodge of uh, kind of random pieces put together, and it never yeah. nothing really ever felt right. Uh, so Dubas coming in there, um, extensive background, obviously at this level in the HL with the Marlies, built some excellent teams, they're a corner Cup winner actually, and uh, so he's always understood and and, and prioritized the importance mm-hmm. of uh, of having that 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 winning culture at yeah. the HL level as well as that competition. So for sure, um, Harkins, I think that's a great point. Like at worst, he goes to Oaks and helps your team win there so you know you really you know you really have nothing to lose by making this 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 pickup and you know hey at, at best uh he goes in and is a solid contributor bottom six uh gives you a nice affordable uh piece of your lineup
1: it's so funny because it feels like it wasn't too long ago that Jonathan harkins seemingly solidified himself as an nhl player mm-hmm. you know it was an interesting story right he, he was second round pick originally Turn pro was behind a very stacked moose team, even went down to the coast for a little bit, had some injury troubles, and then in his in the 2019-20 season, he kind of just popped off. You know, yeah. 31 points in 30 games, was brought up to the Jets in February, looked very good there, played in the playoffs of that year, like the the bubble. And then the ensuing years, I think what what happened with Harkins is, is a couple things. I think that um, you know, maybe his game you know, show to be not as responsible or well-rounded as some coaches, like in the bottom six or whatnot. But the overarching thing is just how thin the margin of error is for guys like that. And it's not even by fault of their own. Like he was, you know, Rick, uh, Paul Maurice, for instance, liked him in a certain way, but Rick bonus didn't. And that's true for anything league wide. Like a coach can trust or like a certain player in one situation, but another coach can think completely differently. So it's just, you know, and I think Pittsburgh claiming him is also a testament to the fact that, no, there are other people that are supporters of his game, but yeah. the margin is so thin for those kind of guys, those tweeners.
0: Especially for guys that, you know, in the bottom stitch, like you said, and, 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 you know, so much of what separates the top AHL players from those, those guys fighting to stay in the NHL is really just having somebody in your corner, right? And you think about Harkins, right? Like, you know, he had kind of settled in there nicely with Maurice and in the span of about what, a year and a half, um, really not even, um, yeah, Paul Maurice, uh, Dave Lowry, and obviously Rick bonus as head coaches, three head coaches for, for players still trying to find himself and establish himself, uh, and earn a coach's trust. Now you have three head coaches in such a short span of time. I mean, that's, that's a difficult, uh set of circumstances I think for any player. And it like you said, it, it's such a it's such a thin line. And you know if you're a fringe like player, you you're are, yeah.
1: Yeah. You're viewed completely differently from one sure. organization and, to the other.
0: And you know, it, it doesn't take much to kind of upset that that balance. And uh yeah, sure enough, uh you know, you go through through those coaching changes and uh before long you find yourself back in the HL and you're kind of uh to some extent buried again he would have been back in the hl again this year had he not been picked up so uh this is a much needed fresh start for him to be sure
1: Now let's get to some notable names that weren't claimed. And before I I start this, I want to read a tweet by Adam Herman of Bleacher Report. And nails it on the head. He said, this time of the year is always a moment of bubble bursting for fan bases coming to terms with the fact that a prospect just isn't going to make it. That is so true. That is what this is. And that's why some of the names we're going to mention have pedigree, have upside, or should I say maybe had pedigree, had upside, in the public forum, not saying they still don't, but mm-hmm. that was the way they were at one point and they slipped through waivers. So the reason that uh, Adam made that tweet was in reference to Jack Rathbone and he actually box tweeted something from Daniel uh, Wagner, to Bullis on Twitter or X. He said, I'm not sure why anyone is surprised that Jack Rathbone cleared waivers. He showed promise in college and in his first HL season, but he has yet to show that he belongs in HL and he's already 24 years old. And then he said, every team has a guy like Rathbone. I completely agree in a lot of ways. And here's the reality. Jack Rathbone, as we said on the show, needed to have a good preseason. He did not. Yeah. He's 24 years old. There is a point when a prospect becomes a player. And I think it even happened before this year with Rathbone in a lot of ways. And I think that in the public sphere, it's great that there's an interest in prospect. It's awesome that there's that sort of love and, and interest in it. But fan bases get too attached and mm-hmm. by no fault of their own, right? Where, where people like us, Pat, are guilty of it. we hype up these guys and the pedigree they have. And then when they sizzle out, it, it's hard for, for people to turn the page as quickly as most NHL teams and personnel really do. And I think Rathbone's a clear example of that.
0: Well, the key word is always prospect as in perspective. He's a prospective player. He is exactly. He's not a solidified. Not, he is not a solidified player, and there's a thin line between prospect and suspect, right? And uh, that that Good transition point. can happen very quickly. Um, and I think it also just goes to show that hey, just because a guy guy first round, second round pick, or had an excellent college career, or, or tore it up in junior, like the HL's kind of a cruel league in that sense, where. Um, it's, it's the last step. It's the finishing school for the NHL. Um, a lot of would be NHL players see their careers, not pan out, uh, the NHL. Now with that original tweet, uh, the only caveat I would make with it, or I guess addendum would be a better word would be that a prospect just isn't going to make it with this
1: team. I think that's what they meant though.
0: Yeah. Okay. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Like, it's not a fit it's, there. It's not a fit there. It's,
0: and he may end up not being a fit anywhere else. Sure. So that's where I were going to see, like, a Lassie Thompson, for example.
1: Can totally. he be a
0: fit in a completely different situation? We'll see, right? But... Yeah. um, Yeah, I think it's a great point you make, that, that age 23, 24 year especially. Um It can... Yeah. It, it's fast, right? Like, a year... Maybe two years max. You go from kind of being the hot, the hot new new uh, face in town to uh, you know guy that finds himself on waivers and clearing
1: waivers. So well, uh, it's funny too because it's funny when when this discussion all kind of happens. There's almost this there's this preconceived notion I find with a lot of people, and I think we should transition to the next players because this mm-hmm. is it especially okay. So Igor so- Igor Sokolov and Jacob Bernard Docker. Both of which, so Bernard Docker, first-round pick at one point. Uh, right, He's a first-round pick, wasn't he? Yeah. I believe so, yeah, sorry. And then Sock Love, uh, a second-round pick, but, you know, was kind of loved by Sens Nation, uh, good age, all player all these things. Uh, he had a bit of a personality, too, so I think he was yeah. endeared to them by, by that. They both are on waivers, okay? Neither were claimed, but they were both placed on waivers. And it's funny because a lot of people take that time to – to dance on the grave or, or maybe be like, oh, those picks didn't work out or rather, why are you giving up on them? Whatever it may be. Some people are saying, why don't they give Sokolov a chance? What not? I will give kudos to a team like the Senators that doesn't force something that's not there. Those two players are not NHL players for their current roster. So why hold on to them in the hopes of like, if you're trying, if you're like a Senators who's trying to make the playoffs, you got to ice the best roster, maybe an Anaheim a, a Chicago or a team. We've mentioned San Jose can make use of them, but if they aren't helping your team right now and don't have like immediate upside and have had that much runway, there's no other options for them. And, you know, kudos to them for give them a chance elsewhere. Frankly, I think mm-hmm. that's another way to look at it because what do you, what are you gonna do? Just try the same thing over and over again. They're not ready and no one took them. So there's nothing really you can say about it. It's just what happens at
0: yeah, this point. Charles is the, the best league in the world. I mean, if it was easy to make it, hey yeah. everybody else would make it too, right? Like it's 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 a it's a it's not easy. I think people, yeah, they lose sight of things. I think people think because people there's so much of a premium put on well having a first round pick or having a second round pick, right? Yeah. Like, I think people well, like if you actually looked at the like the, the percentage rates of of of, well, Myers after,
1: who, oh, it goes who, down after. Who, yeah, yeah,
0: after even like the top five, top 10. I mean, it, oh. it, it's really
1: sobering, right? Well, yeah. I, yeah, I think that what age these prospects in the AHL can do for fan bases that are rebuild is they give some sort of solace at a tough time. So Bernard yeah. Docker, even Sokolov, you know, fans kind of got involved with and followed along with because the big club wasn't all that, well, yeah. you know, they were young and growing too. So it was kind of this, you, you become kind of endeared to the prospects, I think, by virtue of that. And that's why I think a lot of the times there's hype with it. It's not just a big market, but it's a market that struggled at some point. They were looked at as a potential solution. So that probably plays into it too. Um, you that's know, I, So I think that also ties into it. But I think the other thing before we get on to um, our last player is you look at Ottawa, we mentioned Lassie Thompson, we mentioned Sokolov, Bernard Docker. This is just a testament to not... I think you can look at this two ways. You can say, God, Ottawa really, really drafted bad. Okay, you can say that, but how about the alternative, which is they are trying to win, so they traded for Chickering. They had a home, they've hit a home run with Jake Sanderson. They already had Shabbat. They just have filled holes in drafting is one way to do it, but there's other ways as well. So, you know, you can't scrutinize these first round and second round picks that don't work out. I again I said it before, I'll say it again. I'll give Ottawa for cutting. Bates and, and you know just wash their hands a bit sooner rather than later than, than dragging mm-hmm. it on
0: I yeah i mean i think the worst thing you can do is like try to force something that's just not happening totally and, and i think you make a great point right like if, if your team's losing and you, you've had a bunch of losing seasons kind of together and, and fans are just desperate for any sense of hope and you, you start collecting first round picks and, and 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 all these prospects and you think okay we're just patient everything's gonna pan out and and then but i mean if if it was that way, everybody would be doing it. Right. Like, I mean, there's a reason teams go decades in some cases without winning a Stanley cup. Right. Like it's, it's tough to get these players, not only to get them into the NHL, but then to actually become like solid contributors, right. Like not just become a player. That's maybe a, a supporting cast. I mean, like that it's, you know, I think, we we forget, right? Like, we we think of the draft, right? We just think of the top five, top ten, right? And all these guys that immediately step in it and make it look easy. But for, for the vast majority of players, it's 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 still a long shot, even if you are a, a quote-unquote top prospect.
1: For sure. And I think maybe in some way reporters like you and I are guilty of it where we maybe set the bar too high. Like, I, I, I have tried to knowingly, even yeah. when someone's doing good, give a reasonable expectation. And – it's hard because like it subconsciously we think, why do we say what we're thinking, which is that this guy's going to be a third line guy or a bottom pairing guy, but really like that's might be what they are. And that's still an NHL player. Like I think that,
0: yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's the success of no. a lot of
1: cases. Right. So if we set the bar too high hey. and if you're going, they could be a top six guy and you start getting people to think that way. That's kind of what plays into not outcry, but of wondering like, well, why is this guy on waivers? He's supposed to be this good you got to set reasonable it's hard it's a balance for people you and i but you got to kind of you got to gauge it at some point right like what they're going to be because otherwise if you just have a first round pick that has potential and you're big you have a, a broad stroke with it then people start assuming they hear first round pick developing well oh well they're going to be a top four defenseman top six forward right you got yeah, temper sure. expectations Absolutely. Um, one last uh player here that was not claimed Ty Smith um, talked a lot about him last year. I think the first show we did, we we mentioned, yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was episode one about like, why is Ty Smith in the a- a- in age shell? Uh, now it's going to be another discussion here, which is why was Ty Smith sent down uh, so early? Like he was sent down through waivers before any of the guys we just mentioned. Uh, so I want to start out by saying that. It's really – uh it's too bad a guy like Ty Smith started his career in the NHL because I think it allowed for bad habits to really seep in. And mm-hmm. he was given a lot of things kind of handed to him. And I think some of the challenges he's having, i.e. the biggest one being his lack of competitiveness, is seeping through his game. And he's not a great skater, so that doesn't work. It's not really working in his favor. But, yeah, it's – um it's been quite the ride for Ty Smith recently.
0: It goes to show you that how difficult, like even when you think you've got a player,
1: no exact, to the HL, yep. even when he makes the
0: all rookie team, uh, even then nothing is guaranteed. And even then things could go sideways. And I think that's exactly what's happened here with, with Ty Smith. Uh, and, you know, I, I remember having that, that, that discussion. We, we went and, fairly uh, extensive depth about him um, oh yeah and for him like you know there was uh there was some injury issues last year um again he was with that Wilkes-Barre strand team they're just it, nothing went right for that team last year like that team just kind of just never came together um I think he needed he would have needed to go down to the HL and be just a much better environment in terms of just you know uh, you know winning games and being really um, counted on to play those huge minutes in, in really high meaningful games, go on a big playoff run, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, and here now you're sent down again, right? And so this is where uh, this is where yeah, I think yeah, we're now into suspect mode, right? Like well, I think we have to make that transition here.
1: I would agree. I would agree. I, It's it's also a testament to... Okay, so he went from the WHL to the NHL. Made the all-rookie team. That's great. Yeah. Two things. One, there wasn't much competition against yeah. him on the Devil's Eye Bubble year. And two, when you look at like Kevin Korchinski, right? Right now in Chicago, he can't go to the yeah. HL. It's NHL or CHL. And one of the reasons they're going to probably send him to CHL is because you don't want him developing bad habits... Um, NHL, i.e. being burned every, like, you're getting, you know, if you're, especially if you're on a good team, if you're getting burned night in, and night out defensively, yeah. right, you gotta get confidence some way, so maybe you start trying to produce more offense and you get away from your game, like, there's so much that could happen there, and you almost mm-hmm. wonder if they were like, uberly patient with Smith, had him in the A, maybe got a little kick in the face a bit, and it had to really learn how to compete more, there would have been a more gradual progression, but there's also the reality of what you just said, it is getting to suspect territory. He he scored like 0. 0.4 points per game in the NHL and he had a stint with the penguins. He can score. But the thing is, and we talk about this a lot, there's not much of an appetite for a third-pairing offensive specialist um that you can't put out against key matchups, and that you really are only using for the power play. Like it, those don't exist. Like, find me find me someone or a coach that does that consistently, not short spurts, but for or or plans for that. That's like a, n- a necessity thing. And even then, I don't even know if if that's gonna really be a feasible goal for him. So yeah, you know, it's definitely worrisome, especially how early he was sent down to camp. That's where that's where it's the alarm bells start going. Wasn't a last cut, wasn't one yeah. of those things. It was he did not have a good camp and he's going down to Wilkes early.
0: Yeah, and this is where I think it's Really risky. I mean, sure, he put up the points there, right? But, like, the question is can you outscore your mistakes? And uh, f- for a young defenseman to, to not get that HL time early in his career, you know, you rolled the dice, and obviously it, it, did, it didn't work out. So, at least so far, right? Like, you know, yeah, and tackle. who knows
1: um, it. Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, now maybe he can go down and, and really work on his game and dig down further and, um, make something work. Uh, but yeah, no, this is, I think it's a great point you make that. Yeah. This, this early in camp, especially to, to, to be sent down like that, that's where, um, that's where you really have to start to, you know, like you said, the alarm bells are really, uh, they don't just go off. They get much louder and uh, it becomes increasingly difficult. I think to, to overlook things.
1: For sure. That's all we have for today's show. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week where there'll probably be a couple more waiver claims. Maybe I shouldn't say that necessarily. There may not be, um, but there will definitely be some interesting cuts and and players that have made or that are still around that we didn't expect. So we'll get into that. We'll also start to kind of look at the divisional or conference previews rather as the lineups of the HL are starting to take shape. We're getting an idea of who's going to be there and we can really start to way too early predict uh, how next season will shake out. But until then, we're going to stop it here. And uh, thanks for listening, folks, and take care.